Welcome to the Wish Well Podcast, a women's integrative summit on health and wellness. A podcast hosted by Dr. Michelle Dang, a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician with additional fellowship training in integrative medicine. This podcast will feature weekly episodes with women from all walks of life discussing their health and wellness journeys. Hi everyone, it's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wish Well Podcast. Welcome to episode five, Rest and Accountability with Dr. Jill Weiner. I recorded this episode with Dr. Weiner a few weeks ago when this whole coronavirus pandemic exploded. And honestly, it was very hard for me to set aside the time to do this recording, but I knew that it was important to keep a little bit of normalcy in my life. And hearing Dr. Weiner talk about her experience with meditation was very eye-opening for me. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. A little bit about Dr. Weiner. So after 10 plus years of practicing internal medicine at Rush University Medical Center, Jill knows firsthand what severe stress and burnout feels like. In the midst of her own burnout, she was introduced to conscious health meditation, and it had a profound effect on her resilience and reactivity. Like many healthcare professionals, Jill was initially skeptical of spiritual practices. However, as she learned the science behind conscious health meditation, she embraced the training and marveled at the results of the practice. After two years of advanced coursework, Jill completed her three-month teacher training in India in April 2016. Jill strongly believes that there is no quick fix. No singular technique can address all of the physical and emotional challenges of practicing medicine. When she discovered tapping at a conference for women physicians in 2017 and began using it herself, she was amazed at how well it complemented her meditation practice and helped her manage stress. She became certified in tapping in 2019 and finds tremendous joy facilitating incredible growth and benefits with her tapping clients. Jill's eight plus years of practicing and teaching stress reduction modalities such as meditation and tapping, combined with the teaching and mentoring during her academic medical career, her personal experience with burnout, and her intimate understanding of the healthcare system makes her uniquely suited to teach meditation and other stress reduction techniques to healthcare professionals from all fields. Find Dr. Weiner on www.meditationandmedicine.com. Her Instagram and Twitter handles are Jill Weiner MD and her Facebook at Meditation and Medicine. Thank you so much for having me. And obviously, I think you know to call me Jill. (laughs) Yes, yes. All right. So um, just wanted to kind of get started with this podcast here. And, you know, I ask every person who's um, on the podcast what health and wellness means to them. So what does it mean to you, Jill? The two words that I chose are rest and accountability. Awesome. So what made you think of those two words? So I think for, in, in terms of rest, um, like maybe I'll start with accountability. So when I first got burnt out in 2011, I remember other than, you know, I was crying every day and I was at the end of my rope at all times. So one little thing would happen. My patient's CAT scan would get canceled or they wouldn't be able to be discharged or my resident would do something that I wasn't happy with. And I would just like start crying or I'd have to get up and leave my office. I really had no reserves. And um, 
I remember at some point looking over at my colleague and saying, we hate this, right? This is the worst job ever. It's a horrible job. And she said, no, it's a pretty good job. And, and, and I just remember thinking, oh my God, this is me. This isn't the job. I could go to a different hospital. I could move to a different city, but I'm, I'm the problem. <laughs> so yeah. for me taking, and, and then it was probably a couple months after that, I didn't, I didn't start out looking for meditation. The meditation really found me. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of this pushback about, is it burnout or is it moral injury? And is it the system or is it the person? And, and, you know, it's, it's both, right. but, but, but when people, I, I find myself getting frustrated when people say, yeah, it's the system, the system's causing all my problems. That's a self-limiting belief. And that's going to keep you from finding the happiness you want. And unless we do the work internally to make ourselves happier and less stressed and more, re, more uh, resilient in the world. And the word resilience is even turning into a bad word, I feel like. Um, mm -hmm. Unless we take the accountability for our own happiness, we're going to be waiting around forever for something to change that's never going to change. And then guess what? The system changes and you're still unhappy. And so I feel like for me, taking ownership of my own way of existing in the world and having that accountability has been so key for me. And I also think the system needs to take accountability for itself. You know, the, the people who are in charge of propagating how the system is, right. although that's a lot more vague and hard to define, th there needs to be accountability on both sides. But until we have that, there's always going to be finger pointing and blame and not a lot's going to get changed, I think. Right. So kind of to understand how you got to that point where you were just feeling you know, burnt out or frustrated with the system. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your path leading up to you practicing internal medicine? Sure. Yeah. So I was um, like pretty straight up regular student. I went to college at Northwestern. I went to Emory for med school, did my residency in internal medicine at University of Washington. I think I had some burnout in med school a couple different times. And definitely in residency. And then about five years in to um, my career as an attending is when their work hours changed in 2011 and uh, for, for residency. And that put, and I'm not sure when you did your training, but that like ended up shifting a lot of the onus on to the attendings and everything changed. It just all of a sudden like piled up on us. And there had been a few other things um, I had been uh, doing career things. I had been involved in a couple lawsuits that luckily I was not held liable for. Um, and uh, a, a sort of epic fail medical mission trip to, to Africa that everybody was safe, but it was just a total disaster other than that. And okay, you can't say epic fail without telling us what happened. <laughs> um, it, we just got there. Uh, there was, it was like part of the, the Catholic diocese hospital. Um, I went with a, a pretty small group and I was one of the two physicians in the group and the, the priest who had organized us going there evidently like hadn't given our money to anyone there and they didn't really know we were coming and they didn't let oh us gosh. practice medicine. And like their local doctor was off. We were in Zambia and their local doctor was off for like the weekend. And then there was a holiday and they wouldn't let us see the patients. And they were kind of like, why are you here for a week? What do you think you're going to do? And they were totally right. I have very strong opinions now about medical mission trips and like what it is that we think we're trying to accomplish in these shorter term um, things. Like 
why do I think I know better how to treat malaria than the people who live in malaria endemic regions? Was that your first mission trip? Uh, it was my third at that okay. point, but I had sort of had these, I, I, would, I did some part-time HIV work and I was always very passionate about HIV medicine. And I think I had these like very, um, looking back paternalistic dreams about like bringing, you know, like being the white savior. And I, I hate to admit that I'm, I'm also very involved in anti-racism work too. So I'm, I'm pretty open with using terms like that, but some of your listeners might be like, what is she talking about? But so looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, I was just, it was a little bit of an ego trip for me, even though I did want to help people, but what help did I actually think I was going to do by going to Zambia for a week? So um, so anyway, so we just got there and we were like useless. We had nothing to do. They fed us delicious food and they were nice to us. We hung out with the nuns for a week and sat around and, uh, did a lot of reading. And then I went to Cape town and met a friend of mine for vacation, but that was literally like the, the uh, like ultimate in, in, in terms of useless, <laughs> useless, uh, excursions of energy. Um, so, but I learned a lot from that, but that was kind of a crushing blow to my ego that, and then, and then all the other stuff leading up to that. So that's when I kind of had that, I don't want to call it a breakdown, but it was sort of a breakdown. And, um, I was always super skeptical and type A and cynical and never thought I'd become a meditator, never thought I'd be good at meditating, much less become one, much less become a teacher that would have like made everyone I knew laugh. But I heard about this, I met, actually met a person who told me they meditated twice every day. And I was like, tell me everything. I want to know all the things. And he said, come hear my teacher speak in two days. I was in Chicago and I said, all right. So I went to go hear his teacher speak. And, and this is actually a, a lovely segue to my second word, I, uh, which is rest. I, this teacher who was this guy who used to be a, a yoga teacher from LA has now started teaching this type of meditation, which is called Vedic meditation that I had never heard of before. I didn't Google him. I did no research. I just showed up to his intro set. It was basically his sales talk. And he starts talking about physiology and, and, and our reservoirs of patience and relating that to stress and, and this feeling of your bank, your, your, your um, gas tank always being on the verge of empty or empty. Mm-hmm. and how that, and, and, and relating that to the fight or flight response. And it, it just was, it, it spoke to me so much on a physiologic medical level. And mm-hmm. it helped me understand why I was feeling and how I was feeling the way I felt without me having understood it myself. And I'm a doctor, like, you know, theoretically, like we should have the highest of all knowledge about science or at least about the human body. Guess what? I didn't, this man was telling me things that I didn't even in a way that I hadn't understood them before. And it totally resonated with me. And that's why I decided to sign up. It's, it's, it was like a week's salary. It was this gigantic financial investment. I had no idea what I was getting myself into at all. Mm-hmm. But I just knew I had to do it. There was something in me that was like, do this now. And if you don't do it now, you're going to miss your chance. And I just was in such a bad place that I was at a point where I would have wanted to, wanted to try it and was willing to try it. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of what got me there. And, and really what I've come to understand is the whole premise of this meditation is I don't teach mindfulness. That's a totally different type of meditation. And I love mindfulness and I think it's great and it's very valuable. It's just not what I teach. What I teach is kind of the opposite. Um, we use a Sanskrit mantra that has no meaning. So it's just like a sound like crash or boom or pop, but in Sanskrit, and it, by using it, using the technique with, uh, with the mantra, 
it allows our bodies to settle into a state that's two to five times more restful than sleep. And they actually measure this physiologically um, with EEGs and EKGs and um, you know, SVO2 and they, they measure skin resistance and lactic acid and all these physiologic changes that happen in the body when you're in this restful state. And that's the whole key is turning off the sympathetic overdrive and activating the parasympathetic nervous system, giving your body this deep rest, just like we do when someone has cardiac arrest and we do the cooling protocol. It's giving their body like an even more profound level of rest, almost like you're defragging a computer. And then you're able to release these stresses that you've accumulated over your lifetime. It's not just, it helps me when I'm stressed out right now, but it actually, when we get stressed, every time we have a stress reaction, we carry a cellular memory of that with us. Um, if you think about like a, um, you hear a song on the radio that reminds you of a breakup and you hear it again and you start to cry or your heart starts to beat really fast and you want to change the station immediately, but your friends like, what are you doing? I love this song. Mm -hmm. That's the breakup could have happened three years ago, but it left that scar inside of you sort of, sort of all this, like how PTSD works as well. So this technique helps to release those cellular stress scars. Um, and which frees up a lot of your emotional and physical energy towards actually living in your life and not being reactive and not snapping at your, you know, kids if they don't get ready for bed fast enough or not screaming in traffic or crying every time something bad happens at work like I was. So for me, it's really all about, it's like physiologic warfare inside the body. There's either <laughs> there's stress and if we don't have anything to counterbalance it, then we're in big trouble. And so it's all about shifting into this rest mode, which uh, is why I think it's important. The type of meditation I teach isn't the only way to do that, but it is a very, very so powerful. I have a quick question about that. And sure. um, because I know I've tried meditation on my own and it is very challenging to <laughs> kind of shift your mind in that way. And I know it's challenging for a lot of people. So um, what is, I mean, you're, you're telling me about, you know, all of the, um, the techniques and you measure physiological, there's like a physiological measures that you look at. So uh -huh. how is this different from something like biofeedback or is um, it a biofeedback? It is, uh, in biofeedback, you're actually like conscious mm -hmm. and you're adjusting what you're doing to change the biofeedback. So there's, there's, uh, techniques called like heart math and mm -hmm. a bunch of other things where you're actually physiologically con controlling what is happening based on the parameters that you're seeing, I guess, like based on the, what the monitor's telling you. In this, you're actually, you're, you're in a different state of consciousness. You're not awake while you're doing it. And so your, your body is kind of doing it automatically. Hmm. And then you kind of come in and out of that state as you're doing it, um, as you're doing the meditation. Your job is when you come out of that state is just to use the mantra and the technique to get back into the state, uh, that state but it's actually super easy to do because we're not, the, the reason why it's easy to do is a, a few fold. First off, our mind has thoughts all day, every day, like the, um, like the heartbeats. So if I were to try to be like, okay, heart, don't beat. No, 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 don't beat. Stop right now. It's not going to happen. And so if we try to tell the mind to stop thinking or we try to control it or we try to stop it from wandering, we can have some we can maybe, maybe slow it down. We can have some patience or some compa compassion for the fact that it's doing it, but we're still fighting against it on some level. Mm -hmm. Even if we're trying to embrace it, it's still wandering. And then we're like, no, 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 come back. 
In this technique, we're actually encouraging the mind to wander. And so we're not fighting this uphill battle against trying to control it. You actually want the mind to wander as part of the technique. Mm -hmm. So it's not just something that we tolerate and try to change. It's something that we totally embrace. And we also sit comfortably with our back supported. Um, the mindset being, if I'm sitting with my back straight and my legs crossed and my back's hurting and my knees are hurting, I am not going to be able to de-excite two to five times more restful than sleep because I'm going to be thinking about everything that's hurting. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's going to be physiologically disruptive. So mm -hmm. if your leg, you know, if you have an itch when you're meditating in my tradition, you scratch it and then you go about with your meditation. Whereas I think in a mindfulness practice, you'd be like, Oh, I have this itch. What are my thoughts about the itch? What is, what is my discomfort with the itch and all these other things, which are great, that's just not what we're doing. And I think people get very frustrated with mindfulness practices because it takes a lot of time mm -hmm. to feel like you're at any point where you're doing anything right. Can and you people... speak a little bit about mindfulness? Just because I know, um, you know, what we see a lot is people talking about meditation and mindfulness. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, I don't really know enough to really um, know the difference between the two. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so mindfulness is more of a conscious, intentional cultivation of focus on something. Um, and again, I'm a lover of all things meditation. So for people who are like, I do this mindfulness practice, it's amazing. Thumbs up. Keep doing what you're doing. The more, the more people we have doing these practices, the better. Mm -hmm. I took a mindfulness-based stress reduction course um, a few years into my meditating career. Uh, and I really did like it. It just, it took a lot of time and it was a lot more effort and for me, not as much payoff as what I was already doing. So once that course was over, I, I went back. But if well, I definitely had all the time talk about that, because I, I hear all about mindfulness-based stress reduction courses for my mm -hmm. chronic pain patients. And I know it's pretty intense. So we can talk about that at another yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, so I'm, I'm familiar with, with mindfulness. I'm certainly not a mindfulness expert, but the idea is you're cultivating intentionally your attention onto your breath or a mantra that you're you can use a mantra in mindfulness, but you just use it differently than in the type of meditation that I teach. So you're on a, focusing on a mantra, you're focusing on your breath, you're focusing on your thoughts as they come in and out, or you're focusing on a, a body sensation, or you're focusing on a guided visualization. Those are all mindfulness type activities. Mm -hmm. um, and they help you cultivate present moment awareness and you know compassion and lack of judgment and, and awareness of what is how your body is reacting to certain things. So you can start to sense like, oh, I'm feeling cranky or I'm starting to lose my temper with this person. And then you sort of like recognize that before it turns into a behavioral problem. So the idea is I think and, and a mindfulness expert might, might not agree with everything I'm saying. So please note that I am not a mindfulness expert, but you're practicing mindfulness so that in your life you behave more mindfully. <laughs> if that makes sense. So you're doing the exercises with your breath and you're doing the exercises with the focus and the cultivating so that out in the real world, you're more aware of your feelings and your reactions and your interactions with people. Um, so, so that's mindfulness. Um, and it's just hard. Right. <laughs> it takes time. It takes practice. It takes building up slowly, like ramping up from like two minutes at a time to three minutes to whatever. 
and it has great benefits, but it's really hard and people feel like they want to bang their head against a wall a lot of times. And they, they come out of it sometimes feeling broken, feeling like I'm, I'm, my brain is wrong. My brain isn't doing what it's supposed to do. If only I was, if only my brain was different and it obviously must be different from everyone else's brain. Otherwise I wouldn't be struggling. Then I'd be a better meditator and I'm just like missing out. And that is absolutely not true. It just means that mindfulness is maybe not the right practice for you. Um, so let's yeah. go back to the meditation course that you took. So when you started this, this week long course, where were you mm -hmm. in your career? Were you still an attending? Um, yeah. I was, a, I was in my fifth, I, I finished residency in 06 and started working as a hospitalist uh, right off the bat uh, in Chicago at Rush, as you said. And so, yeah, I was five years in and I took, it's, it was four nights in a row, 90 minutes each night. And by like the second part of the course, and, and this is sort of a standard format that this, that I call it conscious health meditation, but it's more widely known as Vedic meditation very similar to transcendental meditation also, um, but I'm not part of that organization. Um, they, um, it, it's, so it's a standard format, but by the second day of the course, and it's, it's taught through the lens of the teacher, but there's certain things that every student's gonna learn. Um, I was having meditation experiences. I was feeling changes in my body and I was feeling like, oh my God, how is this real? How have I been, how has this been a thing in the whole world and I didn't know about it and I've been so, trapped in my own mindset that I didn't know that I could find something like this. Um, so that's where I was when I learned. And so did you bring this to your practice or this was more for yourself? Because you mentioned this went back to your first word um, for health and wellness, which was rest. So was this more of your own personal practice? Yeah, it was for my own personal practice. I mean, at that point it was my like survival, you know, my, my, uh, uh, safety net. It was my like my life raft because I was drowning. And it was, it was absolutely, I knew right away, like I'm onto something. I don't know what this is. I don't understand it because it's so foreign to me, but I'm onto something and this is the real deal. And so I just was like, all right, I'm never going to stop meditating because I'm not that, I'm not that person that I was two weeks ago, two months ago, two years ago, every day, there's something different in, in how I feel and in the benefits. And so, um, so I, yeah, did that answer your question? Yes. So tell us a little bit more now what happened next, because that was after you, you were in practice for about five years. And I know that you had been in practice for a while before you decided to leave. So tell right. us about what happened after that. Yeah. So, so and, and, and to answer your question more fully, I, I didn't bring this to my, my patients because you have to like prepare for two years to do the teacher training for this technique. And it's a three month intensive teacher training in India. And you have to have a lot of meditation experience under your belt to teach this technique. So it's not something that I could use for patients, but it definitely made me a better doctor and a better human so that I was able to be there more for my patients. But it's not the kind of thing. That's what, one of the things that's great about mindfulness is you can very easily adapt it and kind of do a little mini version of it with patients and that I couldn't do. Um, but yeah, so I started meditating um, I, in, in 2011. And then in 2014, I took a retreat to India with my teacher and had even more incredible experiences and progress with the meditation we were doing there because we were doing like a more intensive, same meditation, but a more intensive version of it. 
And he said, have you ever thought about becoming a teacher? I said, no, I'm a doctor. <laughs> what do you mean? Because my burnout was gone by that point. I was, my burnout left after a few months with, with maybe even less than that with the meditation. So I was happy and I, I, um, you know, had a leadership as the director of education in my division and, and director of faculty education of the um, faculty development of the med school. So I, I was having success and enjoying my career. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, if you ever asked me if I'd ever thought about becoming a teacher and I thought, you know what, why not? I'll go, I'll spend my three months in India and then I'll come back and be a hospitalist again and do, you know, part-time FTE and teach meditation. And like just literally my paradigm was never, that I would leave medicine because I didn't even know you could leave medicine. And then I started to have this ache for something different. Uh, when I told my, t- my boss that I wanted to spend three months in India, he was really supportive. And at first I was overwhelmed with gratitude. And then I was disappointed. I sort of, I think inside me had sort of craved some sort of break or something different. And then I had the opportunity to move to China um, which is a whole other story, but that was for personal reasons. I had the chance to move to China for a while. And then the plan was go to the teacher training and then move back to China and, and have that adventure. Um, and so I actually left my medical job to go to China. I was at a oh, point wow. where I was like, life's too short. I'm going on my teacher training anyway. Let's just see what life brings. And so that's like a, a, a and I have to say that doing this type of meditation doesn't make all doctors leave their practice. It, it will often make them fall much more in love with their practice. For me, this wasn't my endpoint. I didn't know that, but, but, but staying in clinical medicine, I don't think was ever what I was supposed to be doing forever. Um, so yeah, so that's why I left. And then I was out for about six months, um, finished my teacher training. And then I was on my teacher training, realizing I don't, I don't necessarily relate to Dr. Jill in the white coat running around doing all the things and, you know, having the meetings and the, the, the patient stuff. And I just didn't recognize her that much anymore and knew that I wanted to focus full time on teaching people this incredible technique that had given me so much joy in my life, expanded my consciousness so much in my worldview. Um, and I could make people love their jobs again and not get to the point where I got where it had gotten so bad that I needed, you know, I was considering taking a year off back in 2011 when I was so unhappy and, and I didn't know how to escape from my life. I wasn't ever suicidal, but I did not know how to escape from my reality, which was so, so painful for me. So you went to China and then was that, so after you came back was when you decided to leave clinical medicine altogether? Yeah. Yeah. So I left my job at the end of September in 2015, moved to China like two weeks later, uh, went to India in January of 2016. So after a few months in China, I went to India for three months and then uh, realized China wasn't working out for me and ended up moving back to Atlanta in April of 2016. Cause that's where I'm from. Uh, and my parents live there and I had already said my, my loving goodbyes to Chicago. I didn't want to live there anymore. I just, I got tired of the, the crazy weather. So, and so since 2016, moving back to Atlanta, that's when you started kind of your personal brand teaching meditation, um, that you do that you've been doing since then. Yeah. So, um, I, like showed up like at my parents' home <laughs> without having any clue about anything. I didn't know how to build a website. I didn't know how to do social media other than like posting pictures of silly things on Facebook. 
Um, I didn't know anything marketing. I mean, it was, I was a complete neophyte and I basically just started one student at a time, one, one Facebook post at a time, Instagram and blogs and all that kind of stuff. And, and my message has certainly evolved and, and, and I'd say evolved is the right word over time. Um, and my, my teaching focus has changed. So initially the, the doctors weren't jumping up and down for something outside of mindfulness. But then I think with enough time and exposure and hearing about what I was doing, I started teaching a lot more doctors started. Uh, I did a research program with, um, with a hospitalist group in, in Atlanta, um, out of Emory. I started the transformed mastery retreat for women physicians with Marjorie Stiegler, who's a classmate of mine, um, med school classmate of mine and a good friend. So she has a lot of, uh, she does pr professional branding and, and, um, a lot of professional development work. And so we combined what we do and we created this incredible, this incredible um, curriculum that we do a very small group setting intensive workshops that we do in a beautiful resort in Mexico. So we created that. And then that it, post. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was at the excellence Playa Mujeres, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, exactly. I saw that and I'd been to that hotel before. It's beautiful. I live in Houston. So oh, okay. Houston is very short flight. <laughs> so it's not too far. Yeah. And it was, it's, it's magical and, and it's for people who love their medical jobs, who want to get side gigs, who want to do less clinical, who want to do more administrative. Like it, it's, it's for all, all types of women physicians. There's the, the, the branding that she does can also apply even if you're not starting a side business. It, it's really amazing uh, the way that the, the um, symbiosis of, of, the, of the curriculum that we do, of what, how we both contribute um, and the women there are incredible. So it just became very clear to me that I'm, I'm now working in healthcare, you know, I'm, I'm, I think with, with health, with, um, um, healthcare professionals. And, and that's what I'd always wanted to do, but it just wasn't the right time, uh, at, at the very beginning. And then, um, I was at a medical conference teaching my course, uh, and I heard about this thing called tapping. And that was something that was presented to me by a psychiatrist and a psychologist who worked at the VA not to me, but to the group. Um, they worked at the VA treating patients with PTSD using this stuff called tapping. And so they taught us all about tapping. And I thought it was pretty interesting, thought about getting trained more in it. And then I eventually, when I got back to Atlanta, a few months later, found a woman who's a tapping coach. And I did one session with her and I had been going through some pretty intense personal stuff around that time. And I was feeling like really, for a few months, just really like having a hard time I did one session with her and it totally, it made me feel like myself for the first time in months. And I said, this is amazing. So I signed up for one of her packages and it totally blew my mind. And I felt like it kind of filled in the gaps because nothing, no one thing is going to fix everything. Right. And uh, I used to think that meditation would fix everything. I was kind of drinking the Kool-Aid a little too much probably, but, <laughs> um, but tapping has filled in a lot of the gaps where I feel like this meditation that I teach is missing the two work together extraordinarily well um, and really, and, and the tapping is even more accountability because it's a more, it's an active process. And so you get to work through your own um, self-limiting beliefs and ops and, and barriers that you create for yourself. You get to work through those and have these amazing aha moments of holy, holy smoke. I can't believe that I, I've been bringing this to my life in such this c consistent pattern, but in, when it's all said and done, I was, the one that was attracting that. Not that I deserved it or I did anything bad, but just it's, we, we attract things in our life uh, based on what we, 
what we believe. And I don't even think that's woo-woo anymore. I think that's pretty much uh, accepted in terms of self-limiting beliefs, even in more mainstream stuff. So tapping for me then became this amazing tool. And then I got certified in that last year. And so I've been working with with clients to do meditation and tapping. And I've brought the tapping into the medical spaces that I've been doing with really great results and kind of working together to help mostly, mostly women physicians, help them wherever they're at with what they need. And sometimes it's meditation, sometimes it's tapping, and sometimes it's both. Yeah, and I agree with you. It, it's a lot of it is just a little bit of everything and it's individualized too. Mm -hmm. And I think tapping is such a great tool. I read a book about it. I met somebody and we went through the tapping just one session and unfortunately didn't have the time to keep going. But um, I think it's it's interesting because that's more of an active process, right? Mm -hmm. I think a yeah. lot of people feel like meditation and mindfulness, all that is a little bit more on the passive side. Whereas if you're actually doing the tapping, um, they feel like you said that they have a little bit more accountability. Yeah. So exactly. um, we're running a little bit out of time, but um, just one more quick thing. I know that you mentioned the things that the courses and the workshops that you do and the retreats that you do, I just, um, you know, your audience is more just, is it all just women physicians, women in healthcare, just women? Who are you, um, who are you seeing mostly? Um, I say more, most broadly, I mean, for your purposes, most broadly women in healthcare, I, I, I have a lot, like probably 50% of my clients are in healthcare and 50% are not, mm -hmm. uh, transformed is all women physicians only. Cause it's a very intensive space and it, the women there all want to feel like they are able to be completely vulnerable with each other. And so the mm -hmm. physician part is important. I do a retreat and that's January 20th to 24th of, of 2021. Um, I do another retreat that's women in healthcare. Uh, that's at Miraval Spa and that's October 6th through 10th. And we'll see what this whole, hopefully the coronavirus stuff will have swept through and be okay by then. But that's much more of uh, being an active participant in the venue. Um, I teach my meditation course there. I do one session every night with everybody, like a, a talk on life as a woman in healthcare and how to navigate that through a different lens. Um, but that's Miraval is an incredible spa. So really that's just about recharging and relaxing and then coming out of it with this great meditation tool. So that's for all women in healthcare. And it, because you're not doing this like workshopping professional development thing, mm -hmm. all, it doesn't matter if you're a physician or you're a, a, you know, social worker or you're a, um, physical therapist or whatever, everyone loves each other and it's an incredible dynamic. And you said that's at the Miraval. Is that in Arizona? Yeah, the Arizona Miraval. That's, um, I've heard that's beautiful. Oh my God, it's the best place ever. <laughs> and you said that's um, in October? Yeah, October 6th through 10th. And the early bird registration is open for that right now. And actually also for Transform. The, the Transformed is, is open as well. That's for people who are looking for a little bit more of a like kick in the pants, like work hard, but really enjoy it in a beautiful setting kind of place. And Miraval yeah. is just you know, personal journey, more kind of stuff. So tell us how we can find you. Um, well, I have online, so I've adapted my um, meditation course, my live meditation course to an online version. And it's called the rest technique rest. Um, that's an acronym for actually how to do the technique, but also, as I mentioned, a very important component of why it's so beneficial. So on my website, it's meditationinmedicine.com. All of my meditation courses are CME accredited for six hours. So if you come to a retreat, you'll get CME. If you take the online course, you'll get CME. Uh, and it depends, you know, now is a great time since everyone's like kind of laying low. 
to do the online stuff. But um, so meditationinmedicine.com will have information on all my retreats, the online courses. I have an online tapping course for uh, physician burnout. So that's something um, that people can go check out and um, also information on tapping sessions. If they want to work with me one-on-one, there's information on tapping on that website as well. Awesome. That sounds so interesting. And I'm sure there's plenty of women out there who would greatly benefit from your courses um, or just reading online about all the things that you have to offer. And I would love, personally love to go to Arizona. I love Arizona. It's one of my favorite places. Oh, you should. It's, it's literally going to be the best experience of your life. I, I left there almost unable to return to my regular life because it was such a magical experience from start to finish that I couldn't even believe in my wildest dreams that I had like created that event and that it had been as amazing as it was. And it actually felt like, Oh God, like I want to stay there forever. Uh, And I love my life. I have a very great life. But uh, so that event is awesome. Um, And then of course, also I'm on social media at Jill Wiener MD for Twitter and and Instagram too. If if people are more into that. Um, Yeah. Well, thanks so much for, having me on this podcast. Thank you so much. Sharing your journey through rest and accountability. It sounds like you are doing some great things for women and for yourself too. So thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, we are done. Okay, awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wish Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and follow along every week for new episodes. You can find us on Instagram at wishwell.health and at our website, wishwell.health.blog. Until next time, I wish you health and I wish you wellness.